Market Watch is proudly brought to you by Top Sport, home of the Top Sport betting multi. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858. G'day, peoples. Welcome to another edition of the NRL. No, we're not NRL. We're Market Watch podcast. Uh, we'll cover a bit of rugby league. Uh, we'll cover a bit of NFL. We'll cover a lot of racing. Uh, we'll cover lots of, well, probably gibberish is one way to describe it. Uh, the usual suspects are in attendance. I'm talking about the number seven seat. Actually, based on the run yesterday, might be the number 12 seat up there at Top Sport, Tristan Merlihan. And I tell you what, very special. No one here, all really treading on eggshells before the podcast. No one wanted to ask the direct question, how many candles on the cake? But we believe that Jared Condon from Reading the Play will be having a cake of a birthday variety at some stage today. How are you, gentlemen? Yeah, very good, Jimmy. I've just just turned the volume back up on the computer because uh, your singing made me turn it down uh, when you were singing, Jared. A very, very happy birthday. And uh, I'm glad we don't have the uh, YouTube footage of, of what happened earlier. We'd have to uh, tick up the other uh, rating on this show. But no, very happy birthday to Jared. Uh, big weekend of sport and racing coming up and uh, plenty to chat about. We'll swing it over to the main man now. Uh, yes, well, it might take two cakes uh, now, Jimmy, but... Um, <laughs> The really good news is my birthday does coincide with Caulfield Cup every year, which I absolutely love and have spent uh, many a many a Saturday around the Caulfield Cup at a racetrack and uh, I might be close to one this weekend again. So uh, good things and, um, yeah, wow, gee, there's so much to talk about that. What about the racing at Randwick last weekend? Seeing 47,000 up in arms singing Sweet Caroline, all moving at once as they went to the barriers, Um Hats off to Racing New South Wales and PVL. That's turned into an absolutely amazing day after seven or eight years. And um, the quality of racing both in Sydney and Melbourne, um, the quality of sport around us at the moment, lots of upsets going on in that um, Cricket World Cup, the Rugby World Cup, um, the two undefeated teams in the NFL both got beat. So Detroit Lions just keep winning. Gee, there's lots to talk about this week. Uh, lots to talk about. A lot of people happy, or a couple of people happy here. I, I... And I've said it before on this podcast and I've said it on the radio show, but that is throwing down the gauntlet to every other sports administrator, indeed every other business operator around the country and around the globe with the success of the Everest. It didn't exist seven years ago. So you've got the infrastructure, you've got the capabilities. Do you have the creativity? And and look, we know that it's, um, I won't say a ripoff, but it's borrowed strong elements of the Pegasus from the USA, but that's okay. You know, there is no such thing as a new idea, uh, just repolished and represented. And as you say, Jared, I, I can only imagine the turnover. Um, I can only imagine um, how much money was uh, spent across food outlets and beverage outlets at Royal Randwick. Uh, and the other thing about it is, uh, and this is going to be almost impossible to measure, but it's much like the AFL and what they do in uh, a Melbourne home game in a, on a Sunday during the course of the season, they allow people under 16 to turn up for free, right? So that then takes away that uh, uh, monetary disincentive, but it also means that they get used to going to the footy. And as a result of that, they become fans later in their life. And so, you know, you've talked a lot about the demographic that is going to the Everest. So what does that mean in 10, 20 30 years' time for the health of the industry, Tristan, because, you know, we, we all know, much like Formula One and what they've had to do with um, the way they've re represented themselves, 
it was an aging racing industry um, prior to uh, an event like the Everest. Absolutely, and and um, it, it's it's very very hard to quantify. And and the other thing to add to your points of all the the, the positive impacts of what we saw on the weekend. The other thing that I was I was really happy to see, which I think has been really lacking in our sport for a long period of time, was that it felt that Melbourne and Victoria complemented each other on the weekend, which probably the last two years that it had been on Caulfield Cup Day, which I think Caulfield Cup Day has always been a traditionalist's uh, day at the race. It's, it's a steeped in history and it's felt like it's always been Everest v Caulfield Cup and it's yep. everyone had to pick a side. Where what we saw uh, on the weekend was Everest v Caulfield Guineas Day, where Caulfield Guineas Day is still a very strong meeting in its own light, but it's probably the precursor to when things really ramp up. And that made for absolutely bonds of turnover without really doing much at our end. We got double the customers back onto our platform. We wow. got turnover that increased without really doing anything. And and that, to me, is is a real positive thing for what we see going forward. Because in order for racing to succeed and to, and to coexist, we need the powers of being Victoria and New South Wales to, to come together and work out initiatives together. And I thought it was a real, real positive weekend. It was it was one of the best race days I've seen. And to see those videos flowing through and going viral on social media, everyone, everyone singing Sweet Caroline, how many people that weren't there are going to say, hey, I want to be at that day next year. Yeah. I want to be at that day next year. I want to take my kids. I, I want to, I want to in, in, enjoy it. And I think that's, that's where things start to build momentum. Well, I, I think just lastly, quickly on the same points that, yeah, for, for so many years I've been on different uh, sports forums and racing forums and, and, and racing traditionalists, much like me, have been talking for the last 20 years. How do we get the next generation to racing and get them um, loving the actual sport? Let's forget about gambling, but actually loving what racing is about and the tradition and the spring carnivals and the autumn carnivals and all these sorts of things. The one thing that Peter Volandis understands is marketing. And if we look at what and how he's reshaped um, the New South Wales Spring, certainly highlighted by the Everest. But, yeah, we then, in the coming weeks, we have a $5 million race in, in the Golden Eagle. You know, we then have uh, the races that then flow into uh, Wollongong and Newcastle. Um, yeah, we also have the country championships. We have the Kosciuszko. All of those sorts of things have reinvigorated New South Wales racing. I think 15 years ago, the criticism was your average race field on a Saturday or a Wednesday was six to eight horses in Sydney. I mean, we're now, we're now got fields of 18 to 20. Yeah. And we've got that next generation getting uh, involved in it. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. And the, I agree with you, Tristan. It was great to see some of uh, Peter Volandi's comments and comments from the Caulfield uh, CEO and chairman acknowledging that both clubs are now wor uh, working together around the promotion of that particular day that then leads into Caulfield Cup this week. It's um, increasing... You know, it's it's bigger than the sum of its pieces, isn't it? When you start doing things like that, uh, good luck trying to get someone to buy a stayer. <laughs> this is a, with the with the success. Well, the new people come in and go, oh, I just want to win the Everest. So good luck with that. Um, lots of things we did like seeing. What we didn't like seeing was I wish I win in a bit of a pocket there, Jared. I'll, I'll let you lament that. Well, yeah, two things about the Everest. One is if if ever you saw a race where barriers was so important, and you know, three back on the fence. Um, you know, didn't really see clean air until probably that last 80 metres and just wasn't able to pick up the winner. The winner had an absolute gift run, uh, one out, one back, absolutely perfect and was just so strong at, at the end. Hats off to Joe Pride. I mean, uh, he's just 
been a, a high quality trainer over the last 10 years. Um, you know, has, has come through under John Size, then went out on his own. His record now just speaks for itself. And, the, and to finish first and third in the race as he did, you know, also hats off to proven thoroughbreds who I think, uh, you know, Jamie Walter's just done an outstanding job and just a fantastic race. And, uh, your idea though, Jimmy, uh, would have been even more fantastic had oh, I wish I win got there. Yes, I was with you on that one as well. One thing I will ask you about, Tristan, you talked about the turnover, the customers returning, and then I got the text message from Top Sport with the offer, uh, a return to Group 1 racing uh, in this spring. Uh, so that augurs well for all parts of the industry, right? Yeah, it does. And, and um, you know, we, we, we've had a couple of good conversations and I think people are really understanding all the cogs in this industry that, that are important. And, um, you know, what we've we've decided to do over the, uh, the the feature spring races in Victoria, we're going to bring back our premium product, which is best of the best. And that's obviously a very low margin product. It's a it's a very popular product, but it was it was impossible to make it work. Uh, under the the current landscape and um, we've decided to put our best foot forward and said well hey we we pulled it away from our portfolio products last year which reduced turnover we're going to bring it back and we're going to demonstrate that if we've got a premium product offering we've got high limits we've got a a, a strong margin then people are going to come back and bet and that's going to see increased turnover to the industry and if that can happen then I think we need to see some flow and effects from it so we're going to put our best foot forward hopefully the punters listen to it and when you're back a winner on that best of the best product you're going to get the best price. Would I still be able to get access to that? I know you flagged my account. Some sort. <laughs> there's there's a there's a little asterisk next to it, and it's a it, 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 you have to be a good bloke or somewhat of a good bloke to get it. So I'll I'll put that towards the board, and we'll see uh, we'll see what the other response is there. Oh, they like my chances. And, anyway. and very very quickly for our French listeners who uh, might well. Our listeners who might be fringe gamblers, I guess best of the best means that you can thirty minutes before a race. Uh, have a bet at Top Sport and actually get the best of the top flight, the best of the tote. So whatever ends up being the best price of your pick in that race, you end up getting. So you're not taking fixed odds early, um, an hour before the race, and it might blow by 50 cents or that the tote ends up paying better. You're going to get the best price. It's um, by far the best uh, option if you're actually having a decent bet on a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. If you're enjoying the podcast, um, leave a review. You can do it Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. So uh, look forward to that. Um, and remember, uh, yeah, keep keep supporting the podcast. We do appreciate that. Before we go forward, we go back. How did we go last week, Jared? Uh, Jimmy, we found a couple of winners. Uh, a nice one in the NFL. Uh, and certainly a nice one in horse racing. Tristan came up with the Vikings minus two and a half, never in doubt. Uh, your man, uh, Kurt, uh, certainly covered the line there. Uh, you found the nice winner in, in uh, Adelaide with a cracking name, uh, lose some, win more. Yeah. Uh, also, never in doubt, went to the front and kicked their heads in. So we ended up picking up some nice money. Uh, we'll get to the lunch bets in a moment, but it's probably something we can pass on this week, given that... Um, uh, I'm in a really good mood. I don't want to spoil that today. Yeah, all right. Well, then we'll just go. Tristan and I won one each and you lost two. So happy birthday to you, Jared. So, <laughs> um, uh, all right. And a big, a big shout out to the Cook Islands, Jimmy. Oh, holy dooly. I thought 18 and a half to 20 was a, gr- a great position there. Well, 18 and a half to 20 didn't even cover the first 20 minutes. Didn't. Uh, very disappointing the way they played. And, and having played in that mid-season test match, uh, last year, I thought they were much better than that. So, uh, yeah, a little surprise at that one. But well done. I tell you what, Lockie Lamb hasn't he improved as a footballer? Wow. 
Um, he's gone over there to the Lee Leopards and they've obviously had incredible success with the Challenge Cup under the coaching of his father. And now you look at him and, you know, we're starting to see this, aren't we, Jared? I don't quickly get away from that. But there are unique players like a Nathan Cleary, uh, Ezra Mam that can come into the league and be elite straight away. But then there are those other halfbacks that take time. And unfortunately, given the nature of the game, sometimes they don't get time and sometimes it's too late and they're flushed out of the system. But you look at an example of this is Jack Cogger. You know, Jack Cogger bounced around a couple of clubs and then went to Penrith where he wasn't the main man, but came in and did a job at 5'8", did a job at halfback, did a job at 14, and did an incredible job in the grand final. And now he goes back to Newcastle on a three-year deal, probably on massive unders based on what he showed in the last month of the, the premiership. But you look at him and you go, NRL halfback. You know, that that could be the situation with a lot of these halfbacks that need time to develop physically. And the other part about it, need to develop their game management, which is such an important part of what a halfback needs to do. And I think one of the key questions, Jimmy, is a lot of a lot of people end up in England, whether they're coaches or they're, they're players, and often we think, well, they didn't actually make it the first time around, or maybe they're not ready or the quality's not there for them to come back to the NRL. And certainly that's not the case. And I, I'm, I've been amazed over the last six months. I've mentioned this uh, elsewhere uh, with a, a few people that – uh, that young Lamb hasn't been in the conversation given some of his form uh, at Lee. Um, and, you know, the other guy who I've, I've mentioned a number of times over the last couple of years is Steve McNamara. And, you know, the job that he's done at Catalans to get them to a grand final, now they ended up in, um, you know, small margin loss last weekend to Wigan and hats off to Wigan. They've just been an outstanding team at the top of the table for many years. But, it amazes me that when we're looking at who the next coach might be, that Steve McNamara doesn't get interviews in Australia at the present moment, remembering that he also spent some time with Trent Robinson at the Roosters a few years ago, and that clubs have been looking and crying out for sevens and sixes over the last couple of months, and, and young Lamb hasn't been in the picture, and he put his hand up again last weekend. Yeah, really interesting, isn't it? Um, McNamara's been had experience as a player as well, Uh in, in Australia, so not just as an assistant coach. Uh, well, let's have a look at that Pacific Championship. We've got a couple of games this weekend. Um, and then, of course, we've got the Test Match, England taking on Tonga as well. So a bit of international rugby league. Tristan, where are we at for these Pacific Championships first up? Yeah, the Pacific Championships first up, we've got the Kiwis up against Samoa, where New Zealand are $1.15, Samoa at $5, and 15 and a half is the line. There has been a little bit of support at the minus, uh, just a slight bit of uh, interest towards that minus 15 and a half, and 45 and a half the total points. So there was good activity on the game last weekend. Uh, and then in the, uh, the the bowl game, we've got Fiji, very firm favourites against, as you say, that disappointing Cook Islands outfit where the line's 23 and a half. It's 105 Fiji, $9 the Cook Islands and 23 and a half the line. Not a huge amount of activity thus far on it. Any thoughts on that, Jared? Oh, Jimmy, uh, I thought certainly that, you know, Fiji looked like uh, they will probably run up a number against the Cook Islands. And we've touched on how disappointing they were. And I thought New Zealand looked really well placed. And I was surprised that 15 and a half was shorter than where I thought it might have been. Yeah, you know, Samoa probably get the benefit of combination out of last weekend, but they still did get very soundly beaten by Australia, whereas New Zealand have the benefit of having uh, had a two-week preparation into this game, and I'd expect that Madge has them ready to go. I'd certainly be with um, with uh, the Kiwis. They got a massive bonus with Moses Leota being cleared, ready to play. James Fisher-Harris is the new captain. Um, from what I understand, he asked 
could he be captain of the team, which is actually a really good side. You know, shows how much dedication they have. Uh, Kieran Foran at 14 is going to be important. I think that's that's interesting for the Gold Coast Titans veteran. Um, I'm going to go to a – and I think I, – I agree. I think the minus 15 and a half, um, I think that's that's where I'd be playing in this one. But I'm going to go to an anytime try scorer. I like out on that right-hand side, Jerome Hughes is going to be key for them. Uh, Dylan Brown on the left. But Britton Nickera is such a good hole runner. Um, I, I can imagine Hughes is going to really enjoy playing with someone that has that capability. They'll have the the sweep option on the back and they'll want to get a bit of ball to Joey Manu, but that can often be a distraction for the defence. So Britton Nickera, anytime try scorer and at top sport, um, I like the price of it as well. $3.20. $3.20. So uh, do you guys have a play across the rugby league this weekend? I didn't, Jimmy. I, uh, I I guess my main play would have been the Kiwis just to cover the line at 15 and a half. I, I didn't dig deeper into any to, uh, any time try scorers this week. Um, spent a lot of time in the last couple of days on the NFL. Yeah, Tristan. Yeah, I, I was I was of that similar um, similar mindset. I've popped the the uh, bet on for Britain Nicker for yourself, and I, I just thought New Zealand cover the line, so I might just pop us on minus 15 and a half at the dollar 84 uh, to hopefully get a get a return there. Yeah, all right. Like the sound of that. Rugby World Cup. Uh, did Eddie have a meeting? Oh, Jared, Jared, Jared. Any thoughts on that? Ed wouldn't be lying to us, would he? Oh, Jimmy, I think we're going to. The, the next six weeks are going to be so interesting to watch. I mean, supposedly he's he's been through the first round of discussions with Japan. Uh, nobody wants to flush that out. Supposedly he's in the final three of interview with Japan, which is to occur in the first week of November. You know, he was very conciliatory. He tr- he tried to put, push everything back on himself in his interview with the, the media last Tuesday. But um, I, I think Australian rugby are just backed into a corner at the moment that they don't have enough evidence. Uh, we don't know all the nuts and bolts of the contract and what was agreed to in the the first term of year one and what that unfolds into year two or three, uh, whether he can be shown the door, whether there's a payout, and they certainly don't have the money to pay him out, Jimmy. So it's an absolute circus, and it's just left Australian rugby in just a horrible position. Really horrible. And and a code that was struggling, and we all know, you know, whether it's Wallaby performance or connection with grassroots or, you know, juniors coming through or retention of talent uh, or recruitment of talent, um, really, really difficult spot. Phil War's been on Sydney Radio this morning and described it as very disappointing if Eddie has been meeting. He said he hasn't reaped out to his Japanese counterpart. That's the first phone call I make. Oh. Like, I'm saying, I, I don't, I don't, I have to believe you, Eddie. So I'm going to actually reach out and find out for myself. So I, I thought that a little strange. The other one was during the course of that press conference, he said he was asked, have you met with uh, or spoken to a uh, head of Japanese rugby who's a 30-year friend of Eddie's? Um, no, I haven't spoken to him. What about a recruitment firm on their behalf? Not to my knowledge. Well, I'm sorry. Not to my knowledge is an unsatisfactory answer. You either have or you haven't. Like, what, you have phone conversations with people who you don't know who they are? Like that's just taking the piss, and that that's really frustrating from a from well, a rugby but, point of view. Jimmy, the other story that the, the, there's people in the media who know this story but are not prepared to write it. Right, Dave Rennie is a high quality individual, and if anybody peels back uh, the detail of his results over the last twelve months prior to being sacked when he was still under contract, 
Uh, you know, Dave Rennie had done an outstanding job and had something like 28 injuries and yet gone within a whisker on the spring tour of both Ireland and England yeah. uh, and France, right? Uh, he was sacked by email. No telephone call, nothing else. He was sacked by email. He then, and that was by the chairman. He then reached out to the chairman with multiple telephone calls, multiple SMS calls, and then multiple emails. Not once did the chairman ever reply to him or take his calls. And then he wasn't paid out. He's actually been paid out in monthly instalments for the last 18 months instead of being paid out because Rugby Australia don't have the money and that's how the chairman and that board wanted to treat the current incumbent Australian coach. And then Eddie Jones walks into this disaster. I mean, somebody needs to unfold all of this and expose just the incompetence of this management at a board level driven by their chairman and the impact it's having at grassroots. I mean, you know, I talk to people who are, uh, you know, coaching under 17s and under 19s at rugby who are just completely uh, disillusioned as as are their kids. Um, the impact over the next five years, it's just going to put the game so far further behind. Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Um, anyway, uh, in the meantime, <laughs> ARN Chairman Hamish McKinnon makes a multi-million dollar bid for to buy Southern Cross Osterio. So, hey, don't look here, look over there, look over there. Um, all right, we've got these games going on as well. Oh, this is this is the problem with the format that they've got, Tristan, uh, and the way they do the seedings, where they do it three years out. We had the incredible situation that the Wallabies had a saloon passage and they couldn't get through that. But we've got very lopsided semifinals. We do have very lopsided semi-finals, and you're right. They were. I'm. I'm. I'm be the first to put my hand up and say I'm. I'm not the uh, the most ardent rugby union fan out there. But I sat there and watched the New Zealand Irish game and the South oh. Africa France game, and they were two of the most high quality Absolutely. games of football I've seen for a long time. And to have them in the quarterfinals um, is when you've got two semi-finals now, and then hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully we get two crackers here, uh, but. It, they should have been the semi-finals, and then two of those teams should have been going on with full confidence into the grand final. Uh, at the moment, we've got Argentina taking on New Zealand, where it's a dollar oh six. The Kiwis eight dollars fifty Argentina. So we go from a dollar seventy two ten job in the quarterfinal to a seventeen and a half point favourite, and that's no disrespect to Argentina. They've got there, they're they're in there, but New Zealand just seemed light years in front of them. England are six dollars against South Africa, or a dollar eleven. England only scraped over against Samoa by one point in the last game of the. Uh, of, of the pool stage. Now they take on a red hot South Africa who are 14 point favourites. So that's very disappointing from a tournament standpoint. You know, m- maybe we're proven wrong in one of these, uh, th- these roughies uh, stand up, but yeah, New Zealand, South Africa final for mine looks like it's going to be very, very likely. And, and what's yeah. the price on that or anticipated price or what's the price to win the world cup, Tristan? Well, the, the price on the grand on the final being New Zealand, South Africa is about a dollar seventeen, just multiing up the two favourites. Yeah. So that, that 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 shows that South Africa is actually the slight favourites to win the World Cup. They're a dollar ninety five, New Zealand two ten, England thirteen dollars, and Argentina forty one. So what that even says to me is that if both of New Zealand and South Africa get through, South Africa would probably start you know dollar seventy five favourites against New Zealand two ten because South Africa on paper have that slightly harder uh, semi final as well. So um, we'll see what happens. You know it's hard to write off New Zealand when they they've come up and, and knocked off uh, Ireland, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a cracking final if that's what we get get. Well, I, I, and I think that's the one blessing that we might end up seeing yeah. uh, an amazing final between the All Blacks and the Box. Yeah, that that is that is. But you're right. I, I mean, I'm sure it was a not an Irish household, was it on 
Sunday morning after <laughs> I had a brother-in-law up there in Brisbane who was absolutely devastated, had all his mates around, all the Kiwis around there for a 5 a.m., I think it was, uh, start. And, um, yes, he was reeling on Sunday. Uh, what, about, what about the end of the game? Was it 32 or 34 phases? 35, I think. 35 phases uh, to defend. Um, and they did it with a man down twice. Yep. So fair play to, fair play to the All Blacks on that one. Um, all right. Uh, Cricket World Cup. We might, rather than just touch on individual matches, just overall market on that one. I, I must say... The cricket's been fantastic. I don't know why people aren't turning up, and that's a separate issue around how cost of tickets and uh, affordability and all that sort of thing. The cricket itself has been fantastic. We've had another strong performance from New Zealand overnight after they were in all sorts of trouble. I think they lost three for one at one point. Well, they did because I was watching. But um, the cricket's been excellent. What's the market saying, Tristan? The cricket's been fantastic, and it's been great to see, um, you know, well, there was it was a slight change. Just going back to that island comment, I was a little bit disappointed Ireland didn't make it into the Cricket World Cup, but I think seeing what we've seen is where there's there's been obviously a qualifying tournament where a team like West Indies missed out on this World Cup, uh, where a team like Ireland who's been building uh, momentum missed out on this World Cup. We've got teams that have been very competitive in every single match so far this competition. To see the Netherlands knock off South Africa, obviously Afghanistan, Bangladesh have been very competitive. I think that's been great to see. It's really opened up the competition now because I, uh, India are flying along. They're $2.15 favourites. New Zealand, as you say, were in trouble, but they got themselves over the line. They're $5.80 second pick. Australia, despite going very close to going 0-3, they're $6. South Africa, $6.50. England, $9.00 and Pakistan, 11 So it's a crucial game when Australia take on Pakistan. My understanding is there's a little bit of sickness in the camp there at Pakistan. So hopefully that can get the Aussies over the line and they can go 2-2 two and two and put themselves back into a into a decent spot to be able to qualify for that semifinal. Because as we know, when you get to the semifinals, anything can happen. Is that Wayne Bennett with the Queensland State of Origin side working with Pakistan? Do we know? <laughs> I think it could be. <laughs> the mystery illness going through like that, Indian. Come on. Come on. Anyway, anyway. What about the Netherlands winning during the week, Jimmy? Wow. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, what does our mate Mr. Haddon say? A lot of head noise. <laughs> A lot of head noise with the South Africans, which... Uh, whenever it comes to, I don't think they, their rugby team suffers from it, but certainly their their cricket team does, and certainly when they get to big tournaments like um, World Cups. But anyway, that's a, that's a fascinating game on Friday night, and it's a great time slot too, right? Sit down, get yourself a little bit of uh, prime time World Cup cricket. Um, it works from an Australian point of view. All right, Jared, we've held you up for long enough. Week seven of the National Football League, uh, you've had a deep dive into this. What what are you seeing coming out of, uh, as you say, uh, the two undefeated teams going down in week six? Well, Jimmy, I think the thing that's really standing out after six weeks is um, defence is really coming to the fore this season. And um, on the back of some really bruising defence, we're seeing uh, um, a lot of injured quarterbacks fall by the wayside and it's really starting to have an impact on how things start to unfold. I mean, we saw Rogers go down in week one. He may end up making a comeback, but now, you know, Deshaun Watson's out for a number of weeks. Um, Jones has been lost to the Giants. Uh, Richardson, uh, who was a, you know, a, a 
uh, a draft pick this year has gone for the Colts and there's you know three or four others. And so the fence is really coming to the fore around teams like the Browns, the Jets, the 49ers, the Eagles, the Ravens. I would suggest that you know, they're all at the top of the picking order in terms of their defence capability. And we saw that with the Browns last week. The Browns with Deshaun Watson out played their third string quarterback because their number two was also injured. And their defence at home... Jimmy, you know what the, the nickname for the home ground is? The Dog Pound. The, dog. the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns at the Dog Pound. And they were absolutely fierce. I mean, the 49ers scored on their first drive to open the game. But during the course of the, the four quarters, then lost three key players, uh, absolutely battered and bruised to injury. Um, Purdy was put under a lot of pressure, and I don't think he coped with it very well because the defence was so high quality. And then their rook, rookie a goal kicker missed two goal kicks in front, one in the final seconds that could have won them the game. Browns come up with an upset win. Uh, the Jets then did something similar, again, leading with uh, the quality of their defence over the Eagles. And so we, we now have no undefeated teams. Uh, on the A. AFC, I think certainly the, the Chiefs are still the picks. The Dolphins at number two, I, I think the question mark against the Dolphins, and we'll see it again on Monday in prime time, is when they're up against high-quality defence like they will be against the Eagles, can they match it up? The Ravens, uh, number three. Uh, in the NFC, certainly it's it's the Eagles, the 49ers, and those Detroit Lions, 13-3 and three of their last 16 games. It's uh, they're really rolling along, and I, I was against them last weekend. I thought going down to Tampa Bay um, in the heat. Um, I thought outside of the dome. Uh, I must say, Goff has really stood up this year, and I think he's getting better by the week. And I think the whole combination of what um, their uh, offense uh, coordinator is doing with attack around Goff is just outstanding. Yeah, I'm actually just looking out into the trading floor to see if, if anyone's out there because I can't understand how Detroit's the $2.30 underdogs in this game. Oh, I, I envisage that'd be a touchdown or so favourites on the way they've been dominant over the, the start of, of the season. But obviously Baltimore is a tricky uh, little proposition at home. So, yeah, and what, what about the weekend we've got? There's a few games, as you touch on, which are going to be huge that... LA Chargers Chiefs game. I, I think the Chargers have promised plenty at various points throughout the season, but just fallen short. Whereas the Chiefs have, have sort of wobbled a little bit, but they've maintained a really strong record. So if the Chiefs win this game, they'll have a really uh, hammer lock on that division. But I think that Dolphins uh, Eagles game is, is going to be crucial to see where both of these sides sit. Like the Dolphins going down 14 0 and then exploding against a very weak. Carolina side, which you're not going to be able to do against a team like Philly, but um, they're very exciting with the football in hand. Uh, how, how, how Philly are going to bounce back after that performance last week too. And then um, I'm actually going down with all the boys in the uh, uh, in our fantasy league on Kirk Watch. We're going to go down on Tuesday morning <laughs> to the Sporting Globe, uh, all in our best dancing gear to, uh, to get a dance move out once Kirk crosses the the end zone for the, uh, the Vikings. I think the, uh, the 49ers are going to bounce back with a pretty strong victory, I feel, in that game. But, geez... Uh, what what a what a little period we've got in the NFL. There's so many ebbs and flows. It's a really exciting, uh, tight competition, and I think we're in for a really good couple of months coming up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no absolutely. one knows how to drop a, a game like the Chargers, do they? I mean, oh. they are, they are just um, they they must be a frustrating team to support because they are talent laden and somehow find ways to lose games in the most extraordinary of fashions. And Justin Herbert is an underutilized superstar quarterback in the National Football League. The Chiefs are an interesting one. And, uh, you know, with with 
a sport like NFL, you have such you know clear, clearly defined responsibilities within a team. They're they're just wide receivers, short. They don't. Hit, Mahomes are struggling with his targets, so maybe Travis Kelsey can get Tay Tay to sort out whether she could get uh, organised for wide receivers for Andy Reid. Um, apparently, she's been going to games. Did you know that, Jared? <laughs> Only just, Jimmy. Yeah, I, th- I think it's come up once or twice. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs have even released a jersey with her with uh, Swift on the oh. back of it, which is, oh. <laughs> of course, absolutely selling like hotcakes to uh, uh, to all uh, the Swifties. But um, some cracking games this week. I, I agree with you, Tristan. I was really surprised about the Lions position. I mean, going going to Baltimore against the, the the Ravens is always very tricky. But Baltimore are coming back from London, and teams coming back from London don't have the greatest of records the following week. I mean, the Jags uh, broke through with a soft win last week against, I think, soft opponents. But the other question mark there is the weather. I think the weather forecast is for a very ordinary uh, um 24 hours into game day. And so I think the under is the, the play there, but I'd certainly be uh, with the lines. Um, but yeah, I, I think the other, yeah, my bet for the week is I think we've got a couple of prime time games that we can uh, take the all up. I'm keen about the New Orleans Saints um, fixing up the Jags this week, which is our Friday game here in Australia, Thursday night in the US. You know, Lawrence is another one of those quarterbacks who's out with a knee sprain. Yep. Um, the backup uh, at the quarterbacks for the Jags is horrible. So I'm all, all about the Saints there, just a straight-up win. Into the other primetime game on Sunday night, I want to be with the Eagles. I actually think they really put the question mark to the Dolphins, as the Bills did a number of weeks ago. And, you know, the Dolphins are great with their attack, but their defence is very ordinary. And, and the Eagles have got both the defence to close this down, but more importantly, with Hurts, the attack to uh, put the uh, pressure on with points. And, yeah, that line was one. It's now out to two and a half, uh, minus two and a half. I still don't think that's enough. I I certainly think the Eagles are winning by three or more. But let's just take the primetime game all up between uh, the New Orleans Saints to win Australian time on Friday and then on uh, Monday in the primetime game, the Eagles to win that all up as a double is my best for the week. Christian, you got one for us? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I can't go past uh, the the team that's going to be the next uh, side spoken about as, as a dynasty outfit like my Penrith Panthers, the uh, the Detroit Lions. I'm going to take them. I, I was considering doing the staking plan and just throwing it on the head-to-head, but what I want to do is I want to maintain my undefeated record all season opposing or going with uh, our man Kirk Cousins because I think I've been on the right side of every single Minnesota Vikings game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw the Detroit Lions plus three. I think the San Fran 49ers bounce back with a very, very big win against the Minnesota side that don't seem to be able to quite match it with the really good outfit. So I'm going to go the plus three Detroit into San Fran minus seven at $3.50. Ooh, okay, okay. I don't know whether you're going to be upset with this or not, but I'm going Detroit head-to-head. Uh, I'm going to split this. Detroit, so fitty, fitty, um, and then Detroit plus three. So um, that'll be my staking plan on that one. Uh, all in on your Detroit line. So um, let's let's go with that one as my NFL bet. Is, is, is Dan Campbell, has he got strong shoulders? He's bloody carrying a lot here this week. I think Dan's up to it, to be honest. And I just hope that uh, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, he's up to it as well too before he moves to a head coaching job in the NFL. Uh, well, and have a Super Bowl all, ring all, when he goes all, there as well. As for, yeah. the, as for a dynasty, mate, so the Panthers have made – 
the last four grand finals and won three of them. So don't know. Just something tells me you're getting a little ahead of yourself, Tristan. But ah, I, I actually thought of saying about a month or six weeks ago, but I've, I've held off until now. So I think yeah. I've been reserved and, and kept the lid on things. Yeah, great restraint. Well, at th- at, th- at 3 you've got a lot to talk about uh, for good reason. And, Jimmy, all the speculation is uh, Johnson, who's that um, attack coordinator for the Lions, might end up being at uh, uh, the Chicago Bears next year. Ah, uh, I reckon Justin Fields would like that too, right? So he's had a very oh, – they've been a defence-heavy franchise for three decades. <laughs> so um, finally, Justin Fields might get some plays that he can and he can utilise. Um, gentlemen, Caulfield Cup weekend. Jarrett, we'll go to you straight away, given it's your birthday weekend. Uh, what a what a race day, uh, absolute ripping race day. And listen, the Caulfield Cup, you know, once again – uh, time-honoured race and just uh, promises so much. Uh, and very interesting that Gold Trip has accepted to to run here. I mean, I think they did this last year and then ended up scratching and going to the Cox Plate and then on the win, um, the, the Melbourne Cup. Uh, off that very, very impressive win, uh, second up, um, $5 at the top of the market. I thought the, the, the play here for mine, if I was to have an interest, it's not my main bet for the week, but in the Caulfield Cup, I did like number two without a flight. Um, Mark Zara, who is the normal rider for Gold Trip on the expectation that it wasn't going to run here, rides for uh, Anthony and Sam Friedman. So without a fight, number two, 750, uh, certainly like that. But my bet for the day is uh, race eight, number 10 at Caulfield, uh, Moody, and he's put Blake Shin on, which I thought was a key jockey change here. Number 10, none thought. Won its last two, uh, including its uh, latest, a very nice win at this track at Caulfield. Uh, will sit on pace, uh, which I think you uh, are advantage at this track. And I just think it's got panels above these in terms of its ratings. And uh, it was $4 yesterday into $3.70 at the moment. Let's have $100 to win. I certainly think it starts somewhere around $3 to $2.90 uh, come Saturday. So Caulfield Race 8, number 10, Nunthorpe, my best. Tristan, anything from Milo Racing you want to tip us into for the weekend? No, no, not uh, not Milo Racing. They're not going around this weekend. Uh, but I do have one that I um, I do want to uh, put a little uh, tip forward and see if we can get a result. I'm going to take us to Randwick. We've got the Five Diamonds Prelude there, race eight. I'm going to take us to a horse that probably hasn't got the best form line, but it really peaks third up, and that's Converge. Race eight, number one. Race in the Epson last start. I think it's been primed for this race. $8.50, it's shortened from $9.50. I think it is a very, very good chance if you can cross from the Milo Syndicate type barrier, barrier 13, which is uh, which is a difficult proposition. But I think uh, I think if it can do that, it's going to be right on the finish. So 8-1, Converge. I'm going to take the 50-50 staking plan. Oh, so what price is it? $8.50 the win and $2.90 the place. Ah, okay, okay. All right, well, I'm going to take us to Randwick, um, race five, with Tracy doing the form last night, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, Jun Queera. So very good, fresh, good signs in a couple of recent trials. So I'm looking at it, opened at 11, and I'm like, because mm, I thought maybe double figure odds. Certainly when Tracy handed me her notes, that's what it was saying. However, into 8.50. So I missed the price a little on that one and $2.15. So what I'll suggest here, Tristan, is an all-important staking plan. Uh, and I'm going to go the 3070, please. The 3070 on 
Uh, race five, number seven, Jun Queera. Race five, number seven, currently showing eight fifty and two dollars and fifteen. Yeah, that looks like a uh, good little staking plan with commemorative, uh, very very firm favourite. You've actually got a pretty good record with that thirty seventy staking plan, Jimmy, from memory. So I think we'll uh, we'll, we'll knock that one up and uh, hopefully get a result. As I talked about earlier, you know, with the, the best bets coming back at Top Sport and whether I was actually able to access it, I'm sure whenever I put the 3070 bet on, there's a flag comes up and the little siren goes off in the in the office there, I'd imagine, Tristan. Yeah, absolutely, there is. And then we've got this own little, uh, own little giffy that uh, Jimmy walking out, <laughs> skipping down the street, pops up on everyone's screen. So we know exactly what's happening. <laughs> Oh, very good. All right. uh, I, think Jimmy's, I think Jimmy's the only bloke in Australia who gets the best of the best plus a top-up. Oh, mate, if only, if only. <laughs> anyway. Um, Jimmy, right, Jimmy I will mention on uh, Sunday, um, waiting to see if we drill a gate this morning and we accept, but uh, have a first starter called Antonito running oh, under the... Really? <laughs> David Van Dyke. Oh, that's one of the caps that you happen to have seen recently, Jimmy. And uh, Dark Chill does run Wednesday of next week. So hopefully, between the two of them, we might um, pick up some prize money. As they say, Jared, if the cap fits, you wear it. So, uh, Antonito uh, definitely fits for you. Enjoy the weekend, boys. Lots and lots of sport. Uh, and we'll do it again next week. Be good. Reading the Play is Australia's favourite source of NRL and horse racing tips. Our professional analysts provide the sporting enthusiasts with the best of the best. Get the best professional tips and previews from our tipsters direct to your phone. Readingtheplay.com.